Well, hello, all you dudes and dudettes. Welcome back to the Mixtape Twisted Kid Edition, volume number two. You know, I thought I would take a minute to kind of explain the whole Twisted Kid thing to you guys, just in case you were a little confused. We know this is a lot different than the normal show. Um, we wanted to give a little bit of uh, supplemental material. This show is a mixtape, hence the name. Not a mixtape, a mix tape. We mix everything here. The, the idea behind this is uh, we really wanted to talk about some weirder stuff here on occasion, some weirder movies and films and stuff we remember from our youth, but didn't feel it really fit into the flow of the normal show. Also, some of the guys aren't really into it, although you will hear um, you will hear them from time to time when we talk about really bizarre stuff that they, they are into. Uh, we also wanted to use this as an excuse to have on friends, uh, like you'll hear today, Patrick Walsh from Scream Queens. Uh, longtime friend of ours, longtime friend of the show, award-winning podcaster himself. So that's kind of what we're doing here. I know if you listen to the first episode, you're probably going, the sound sounded horrible. And I'm going to tell you, mostly we fixed that tonight, except for KC. And that is actually going to be fixed moving forward. He had some technical difficulties with his, his mic, and it didn't end up working, and he had to use his computer audio, and it was a whole mess. When we do uh, when we do the Twisted Kid stuff, we are actually all remote. We aren't together. Sometimes we, sometimes we will be, but for the most part, we won't. Um, moving forward, we have fixed all of those audio glitches, I believe. And uh, so it'll be a lot cleaner. But this is episode number two. I'm sorry, volume number two of the mixtape Twisted Kid edition. So uh, please enjoy. You guys can always write us. We are your mixtape podcast at gmail.com. If you aren't following us on Twitter, you should be. It grows literally every single day. It is mix underscore tape underscore pod over there. We are on Instagram. I don't know what it is. <laughs> we are on Facebook, uh, Mixtape Podcast. Honestly, the best place to go is over to our website, which is themixtapepod.com. All the links are there. Um, we have a new phone number where you can actually call and leave us a voicemail if you so choose to i'm going to look that we just literally just got the freaking thing so i don't remember it that well it is 513-437-2377 yes 2377 513-437-2377 or 513 he rad 77 that's the best i can do it's the best i can do uh you can call that leave us a voicemail and we may play it on the show don't worry, more regular mixtape is coming down uh, the line. We actually have some really cool stuff planned. Uh, I'm going to drop a little teaser right now. We have a pretty cool interview coming up here in the next couple of weeks, so be looking forward to that. And actually, some more interviews lined up, so we're really going to try to amp things up a little bit here on the show. Uh, but head over to the website. We'll drop more information and stuff there as things go. And aside from that, I hope you enjoy today's episode of... Twisted Kid, Volume 2. Well, hold uh, on. I got to hit record, bitch. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another fun-filled edition of Twisted Kid. Uh, I'm Jason. Jason Emmett, if I am to be correct. <laughs> <laughs> Just try to try it again, Mister External Microphone. Inter okay. Internal Microphone. I'm Casey Masterpiece. All right. I'm uh, Matt Brown. And joining us, go ahead, Patrick. 
joining. He's waiting for his introduction. You can't just expect him to jump in, Matt. We've got to introduce him. We, oh, that's true. Yeah. We have a guest. Right. <laughs> Distinguished guest. Who seems disgusted, guest, actually. Right he does now. look a little disgusted. By the looks of his we face. have been. Uh, so distinguished yeah. that they didn't even want to introduce me. I was trying. I, oh, I can't. Hi, just... I'm Patrick from Scream Queens, the podcast where horror gets gay. <laughs> so, uh, last time we talked about The Gate, for those of you who listened to The Last Twisted Kid. And uh, this time we let Patrick choose, and uh, choose he did. I just start Indeed. off. I've never seen this movie before. This was my first time. Neither have um, I. I was very excited. Very, very excited. So Patrick chose a film from 1981 called Looker. If you guys have never seen Looker, this is a Michael Crichton movie. I'm a, actually a Michael Crichton fan. I've read like all of his books, most of his books. I think there's a few I skipped. And I've seen a few of his movies. I've never seen this. I Going in, I'd heard of it. I've always wondered what it was about. So when you suggested it, I was like, all right, I'm on board. Let's check this shit out. And I watched it, uh, and I took notes. And I never take notes. But I took <laughs> notes. You're probably still wondering what it's about. It tanked at the box office. It actually bankrupted the studio completely. <laughs> that Oh, shit. Uh, released it. But that, that little one with the tree. With the tree. Whatever, whatever, which one is that tree is. Killed him dead. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> dun, 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 that one. Yeah. Uh, uh, dead and michael crichton is embarrassed by it well well he was he's dead now yeah, he's, he's not probably not he's it. probably Brian doesn't really give a shit anymore he's probably like but the reason i picked it is because for those of us of a certain age back in the day when hbo was new this movie was on three times a day <laughs> every day for like eighteen thousand years so it is burned into our brains and when i was 12 years old it was the coolest movie ever I call it, by the way, I call it phenomenon HB overdose. <laughs> it's kind of brilliant because the whole time I'm watching this, it it absolutely gave me those vibes of like uh, Runaway, you know, like the movie Runaway. That, like that was the same kind of thing. It was always on HBO. You saw that thing constantly on HBO. This movie gave me those same kind of vibes. What was interesting? Yeah, it was in the same category as Grease Two. Charlie Chan, The Curse of the Dragon Queen, the pirate movie. They were the on all movie. the time, and I don't oh like God. any of them, but they're so burned into my brain that it's just part of it's that weird nostalgia, right? Like, you don't like them, but you, yeah. but you like them. To be fair, this movie is intriguing. Like, it's actually a decent movie in certain points. Like, like I was just talking to Kevin beforehand. Um, my ex-partner, Bradford, you guys, you guys all know him. He's sure. a technological yeah. wizard, and I showed him this movie. He goes... Holy God, everything they, they pitched in this movie, every single bit of technology was science fiction at the time. Right. Yeah. All of it is fact now. Matt and I talked Everybody. about that last night. It totally, predicted, yep. it totally predicted the future with one tiny mistake, which we'll get to in the movie. Matt and I talked yeah. about that last but, night with the fact that like how, how far ahead Michael Crichton was with the whole digital scanning thing. This was 1981. But there, he, was, there was a lot of stuff he was ahead of the, time, uh, ahead of the curve on. Like, I mean, with multiple you know, different different stories that he had because like we were discussing last night like congo you know talking about communications through laser like that type of stuff you know satellite communication is is more of a reality now than it was at the time i, I kind of wonder like how much of the technology now was actually inspired by michael Crichton, and mm. you know nobody really just admits that it just so looks like that, that, that whole star trek weird. phenomenon all these things that were right yeah. star trek, they got the idea from watching star trek and now it's a real thing 
Yeah, exactly. Because you know, some nerd was sitting there going, and I'm, I'm saying nerd unabashedly, being one myself, by the way. Yeah, hello, that, you're in uh, company. I know he yeah, does know. this every time. He I mean, over explains the whole we're on thing. A, <laughs> we're on a podcast, so exactly. Like, what? like <laughs> I know, right? Of course. Who else does podcasts? I'm wearing Joe pants. Rogan. I'm not supposed to on podcasts. What the fuck? I'm sorry. Can we get no, on the show? I'm not, but whatever. Yes. Um, oh, good. Because otherwise we're going to say you invited the wrong fucking guest. You've but met us, at? right? <laughs> like, I'm yeah. surprised I haven't dropped an F-bomb yet. Fuck. But That's on the other hand, one for you. There's, there's problems with this. There's lots of, still lots of problems with this movie. If one of the big things saying, like the the whole gist of the movie, like this movie starts with kind of a whodunit. Like it's all about the, the LA's well, most no. glamorous commercial models all get this surgery to be perfect and they start getting picked off one by one they never really explain they don't tell you why yeah they never do they never tell you why they're Uh, killing them i was wondering this i was at the end i'm like they just don't want to pay them like is that it they're just gonna kill everyone no no, but here's the thing here's the thing here's the thing once upon a time when i was babysitting back in the day it was on regular tv whoever was babysitting for did not have cable so i just watched it because it was on there was a good 20 minutes of extra footage and there really? was a motive in there and all these extra scenes that actually explained what? everything and we'll get into that when we get to the end so, is this movie available in any other format other than just from the the way we watched it uh no it's out they just put out a a, a big this is the thing they just put out the what <laughs> when i rediscovered the movie like 10 years ago uh, when i covered it with johnny krug on my show Rest in mm-hmm. peace. Um, yeah, they had saying. just put out this this like glorious DVD bonus box set type thing with all this additional footage. None of the additional footage that was in the TV show, <laughs> the TV oh, print, and still damn. no motive. Hmm. There is there is stuff online. Like I, I meant to send you guys a link, but I forgot. There is a link where they kind of give a motive. It's like half of it, but there's still another 14 minutes. Like everybody in the comments are like, "You're still missing all this other footage that we saw on TV. Where is it?" Hell? And I think they just put out a Blu-ray too, if I'm not mistaken. That's so weird. I'm I guess have to check that out because I apparently buy every movie that we talk about. I want to hear a director's cut. I want to hear the backstory. I want to hear all kinds of stories about this movie. Here's the thing. On the DVD that I have, Michael Crichton does the commentary. It's so fucking boring. I can't get through I'm it. I'm not surprised. I'm oh, not geez. surprised. He's not. He just doesn't know how to tell a story yeah. or anything. It's just very. He's supposed to be quiet for 10 minutes when this is not a director's commentary. With that Michael. said, this is the perfect time for Kev to give a synopsis of this movie. Good yeah, luck. Kevin, you're, no, he's the best at it. <laughs> Go for it, Kevin. What do you have for us? Is, well, is Maya we... Angelou going to read it to us? Oh, shit. Oh, hold on. Oh, we should have had him prepared with a Maya Angelou poem tonight. That would have been great. Um, well, I'll try to get into a character. Oh, God. Maya Angelou. Dr. Larry Roberts, Albert Finney, is a plastic surgeon to the stars. But when some of his supermodel clients start turning up dead under mysterious circumstances, Roberts decides to investigate. Since murder is bad for business, Roberts quickly discovers that all clues lead to a digital matrix. The ominous corporate entity that has contracted many of his clients, Digital Matrix CEO John Reston, aka James Coburn, is found to be in the employ technology to evil ends or his ad agency. Release date October 30th, 1981. Director Michael Craig. <laughs> Thanks, Kev. I was so expecting... I Thanks, Maya. Thank you, Maya. a national treasure. Thank you, Maya. I was expecting some rhyming, but, uh, you know. Uh, <laughs> I just wanted to point out one thing that made this movie extremely popular mm. for for young boys my age back then mm-hmm. when it was on HBO mm-hmm. is that it's a PG movie. 
Oh God! And it's oh. boobs plenty. So yeah. there are boobs before the opening oh. credits. So I think the most. I think what will be fun is I because we all watch this. First thing is I get a text from Kevin while he's watching it. He's like, he said, "Why does that guy?" Look like Liberace. I was like, that's Albert Finney, you dumbass. <laughs> it looked like a toned down Liberace. Fun story. Albert Finney, Albert Finney came out of retirement for like after 10 years of not doing movies to do this movie in Wolfen. Both of them bombed. So that's one of the movies we've been talking about, uh, Matt, by the way, is Wolfen. But one of the things that I've never seen it really kind of threw me off about this whole thing is the fact that, like, how old was he and how old was she? <laughs> like, this whole thing was kind of like. Mm. Questionable. Right. The other that. selling point for this movie that I should mention since we just brought her up is that Susan, Susan Day is Day. in it. Susan Day is most famous for being Lori Partridge Lori of the Partridge. Partridge family. And she's naked. Naked, naked, naked. So I literally have a note partway through that literally just says, Lori Partridge, exclamation mark, exclamation. I was very excited when I saw her. She's great in this. She's great. The problem is Albert right. Finney is horribly miscast. That's one of the problems I agree. of the movie. I agree. Totally. There, I, it's not just oh, age. It's just... Uh, I'm just glad a guy in his mid- <laughs> to late 60s was able to find acting work with a 20-something former teen idol. You know, good for him. Good that for really him. happens. I'm dating someone who was in Teen Beat. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, Patrick, are you? No, he's got... Like, like I, I was watching... I was That's watching all right. Jay's living with somebody who was on Tiger Beat. Her, um, her, her dialogue crackles. And it's like, like she's like, if you her end of it, like it's almost like this 1940s style banter, like Nick and Nora, Charles Thin right. Man type banter, but everything mm. goes bleh when it gets to him. Right, he's just horribly miscast. I agree. Mm-hmm. So it made it made a lot of the acting feel really flat, and it, it was just some of the acting choices. I think you had that's part of what hurt this movie so much. Is I th- I agree. I think that um, Susan Day did a great job, but yeah. it's yeah. like they couldn't get the. There was no chemistry. It just it wasn't there. He felt Dippo. more like a, a father figure. See, when you were reading that synopsis, the synopsis said it's bad for business. I never got the impression that he gave one shit about his bad for business. He actually seemed concerned for this girl, but it felt like a father figure thing, not a romantic thing to me at any point. So yeah, it was a little right. weird. Except when, they keep uh, talking uh, about dating and it keeps putting them in like kissy poo situations that never happen. But you're like, eh. Yeah, like she, he she's throwing herself like, at him at one you're point. Not, you're not going to take advantage? And I'm like, no, my, like this is your grandpa. What are you talking about? <laughs> yeah. This is a minor thing. This is a minor thing that just drove me crazy. One of the reasons he retired was that he was a raging alcoholic. Oh. And I don't know where he is in his recovery at this point or if he is in his recovery at all. But there's something about the way he pronounces Looker Lab that gets under my skin. I really want to get in the Looker Lab. Looker Lab. Oh, God. The Looker yeah. Lab. <laughs> He's got the... That's, that, that is, I mean, my mother's an alcoholic, so I know that sound. I'm like, that's one of those alcoholic sounds that they can't get the K sounds right. Well, he's been drinking. <laughs> but the, okay, we're talking about that. But the thing is, the, the movie's really fun. Like, especially, I was trying to picture... You guys watching it for the first time, not knowing what's going on, because you don't know what's going on for no a long idea. time. You're going, what the fuck is going on? Like this weird, yeah. these girls. Then you never talking. find out. Okay. Can we talk about the first scene? Like the first Let's girl. Let's talk the about scene. the first talk scene. About- Please do. Please do. Because that was amazing. So my first note is literally great acting and awesome theme music within the first three minutes of this movie. Oh, oh the theme song. <laughs> fuck. That was the best. This theme song slays. Slays. <laughs> it slays so hard that Kim Carnes even covered it. Yeah, the original what? was uh, was oh. her Sue Sad. Sue Sad. Yeah, Sue Sad. Yeah. I wrote. I wrote it down. 
get this, and th- this had me freaked out right from the beginning because we get this girl in there, and I'm like, oh my god, is all the acting going to be like this? Because it, she was atrocious. <laughs> she was so yeah, bad. That the 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 exception of Susan Day, the, the the four models that we're focusing on, one's already dead. We see two of the others. The other two are Playboy models, and they're not the greatest. Actors. I was this one's terrible. I was First gonna say. Was she couldn't act, but she definitely was 80s hot, so that makes sense. She was. Yeah. It almost doesn't matter that she can't act because she's a commercial actress. That's just. And you fits. Know, and she's pretty. She like, I, don't really need to well. be, I don't need to know how to act. I don't need to know how to talk. I love the fact that she went. Okay, the thing is, they're all coming to see this doctor because they've gotten this list. Yeah, down to the millimeter. Body mm-hmm. measurements of things to fix on them, these tiny little imperfections to make them, quote unquote, perfect. Somebody's telling them to do this. Like, you understand, this is what it's got to be like. The industry's really tough, and this is what they need now. So he's doing all this. He's telling me, no one's going to see this stuff. Why am I bothering? But he's doing the surgery anyway. She's giving, the movie opens with her giving the doctor her list, and she mispronounces her own body part. <laughs> and you see her do it, like her eyes roll on her head when she's trying to figure out how to say areolas. And she's like, areolas? Oh, yeah. Areolas. She's still getting it wrong. I'm assuming there were like multiple takes of that, and that was the best one. That was pro- probably. <laughs> He's like, and just, they dubbed it. She's dubbed. It would have been great if it was like, you know, she's talking, and suddenly a guy's voice comes in, areolas. Just like, said, fuck it, just use it. Just. Just Albert Finney's voice. Yeah. <laughs> I think what you meant to say was, oh. it, it was really weird, too, to have, like, this, like, usually when you see, like, plastic surgeons portrayed in movies, they're always, like, scumbags and real seedy. And he was, like, he's, like, very, he's, but like, the wholesome plastic surgeon. surgeon. And, and, hot. Good enough and hot. If you're a plastic surgeon, you should look flawless. Albert Finney looks like he's melting. <laughs> Love him. But he's, he's a brilliant actor. He does, no, him, you're, you're right. Like Fucking well, teeth in this, and by yes, the way. And he is trying to uh, go ahead. That guy was creepy. The partner, uh, the doctor, uh, the fellow doctor of Albert Finney, the, the one who's movie. smoking the cigar in the doctor's office. <laughs> yeah, talking about yes. you, you do the surgery, I'll take him out. And like, right. what? Like for dinner? Or she's really a looker. Like with a tranquilizer. Uh, what are you talking about? I love when they get the title. Uh, on there. He said the name of the movie in the movie. <laughs> <laughs> So my and next said it right because you're never going to hear it right again. Uh-huh. My next note was uh-huh. boobs less than two minutes in. Yeah, before <laughs> the opening credits. Yep. Yeah. Boobs less than two minutes. And I was like, yeah. Well, I know what we're on board for. Um, yeah, I I literally when I got that text from you guys, I I turned to Connie and I go, I think we need to watch this movie. There's titties in it, and she was like, okay, cool, let's turn it on. <laughs> So, like, All right. so we do. We start off in in the doctor's office, and then like instantly goes to this girl's apartment. Right? You go. You go. I, I have this major problem with this scene. There's no way in hell she didn't notice the giant silhouette behind the curtain. <laughs> like she walks right past this <laughs> huge silhouette. I'm like, how did you not? And then apparently, John Oates flashes her in the face with something. Oh, hey, hold on now. Hold on now. That is character actor and former Eagles player, Rick Rosovic, who was, no, Tim Rosovic, who was in everything in the 80s. goddamn encyclopedia about this shit. You know that. Well, when you, you should, you should have known better, Jay. Hold on. on. This is important. This is important. Did you notice how he's building the credits? Mustache man. Mustache man. Mustache man. And he never speaks. That thing. 
you know, tickled every damn pussy that it came across. <laughs> like, he knew he got all the pussy back in the day. Because <laughs> it was a looker in and of itself. Yeah. I mean, that thing was amazing. It made Tom Atkins' mustache, like, drop to its knees. <laughs> so how, how have you heard from that in a while? Tom Atkins' mustache? No, not in a while. He's, no. he's in rehab. Sex addiction rehab. I think the last time we, we saw Tom Atkins' mustache, it was a, a drunken horror hound, I think. Giving slow sleep, sweet blowjobs to random people under under tables. Yeah. Cool story. But, um, yeah, <laughs> what I love about this scene, her apartment is amazing. She lives in a Barbie apartment. It's perfect. Like, everything yeah. is pink. Everything is pink and fluffy. And she's just walking around in her underwear and her heels like you do. <laughs> oh, yeah. The doorbell rings, and she's like, I'm going to answer the door. I'm going to answer it. Yeah. So Funny point of that out. She goes, oh, so you just walk around your underwear everywhere you go and open the door? In your underwear, go back still in your underwear. Well, Stu does. Don't even care if you're yeah. in. Well, yeah, I mean, trust me. Nobody wants to see that. Trust me. <laughs> I've seen it. It's yeah. <laughs> everybody has. It's it's there's weekend, there's no shame. There's no shame. Me and my girlfriend will walk in. He'll be sprawled out on the couch and is like, there he is in all his glory. <laughs> I'm out, but all his glory. So we've already established that she's not very bright, so I can see her not noticing. I guess. Giant- yeah. But no, later. And I love that his, he has this amazing mustache, but his hair also looks like the top of a microphone. Like, like. Well, yes, yes, yeah. it does. And that was the thing in that first scene. Like, you don't, you only catch a quick glimpse of him. And he, he did look like John Oates to me. I'm like, holy shit, was that John Oates playing the bad guy in this? She does this. There, Whoa, so here a, he comes. <laughs> Watch out, Carol. He'll throw you off the balcony. <laughs> well, that's okay. So that scene's brilliant, too. We see a flash of light. She then walks into the curtain. Yeah, and she shoots spins. her right in the private eyes. She spins. Oh, God. <laughs> nice. Nice. I see what you did there, man. Oh, Matt, you're out of touch. Oh, God. I'm out of time, too, apparently. So I guess. We yeah. used to play a game where I worked where we would have to speak in Hall & Oates lyrics all day. So this is kind of fitting. It kind of works. Um, well, she doesn't just, like, walk into the curtain. She, like, spins herself around in the curtain. It's so obvious. She's... But no, but but that's the thing is that later on you find out that's not what happening. She's being spun right. in it. We're just not seeing right, it. Right, but we don't see it. So to us, it we just, just don't know what's happening. So she looks really stupid. It looks yes, like it just, just looks like horrible like, acting. And you're like, oh my god! And remember, this is the first time. So I'm watching this, going, what the fuck am I watching? Then she falls off. But the build up, the build up to her falling out the window is really creepy. So this movie, especially had a, if you don't know what you're getting, because it feels like a slasher. You don't know what's going on. This movie had well, a lot of atmosphere, door, and there's this weird flash of light. It's not just a flash of light. It, everything goes photo negative, and there's this bugga sound. <laughs> yes. So you know something weird happened. I'm drunk as fuck. I must. Yeah, I, I, just, I that was an accident. I just bumped the button. <laughs> it was I swear to God. Time, though. <laughs> <laughs> well, that that, that scene where she can't find the. She, uh-huh. All of a sudden, she can't find her dog. Her dog has disappeared. She just was holding it. Now the dog's gone. And she finds in the closet. She walks past the bed to get to the closet. And then when she turns around, there's that suitcase that's sitting there that wasn't there a second ago right. with a gun, clearly a gun imprint. I'm like, what the fuck is happening? This is creepy. There's somebody in this apartment that we can't I it was see. A travel vibrator case, but that's because we didn't know what it was at the time. Well, you know, later on, later on, when we find out what it is, and they're like, it's like a glorified flashlight. I'm like, that's what I say about my, my glorified flash. <laughs> that's not a flash. You mean flashlight? Flash. Your non functioning. My sex thermos. Flashlight. Sex thermos. Uh, <laughs> 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 Did it? <laughs> Matt. Oh, that. But, careful, how much? Sad. How much did that gun look just like the laser tag gun though? Just painted black. No, just me. Oh. Okay. It, 
Yeah. So you're it right. It probably though. was. If we go back, well, which by the way, I, I would like to point this out, out it's, and she's it's not in the room. The same technology this. as the damn laser tag guns. Yeah, so. yeah, true. Pretty much. Connie pointed it out. Like scene, like that first scene. She's like, "Did she just get like Men in Black or something?" That we just yeah, pretty much kept calling it Men in Black. Men in and Black. I was just like, "Wait, wait a minute. Maybe I don't know." And I've like, seen that. I had to actually movie. back it up a little bit. Yeah, I had yeah, to back well, it up we a don't... little bit to see what took place. And I'm like. Something, something happened. Like she just completely lost her memory for a second. So it's weird. But then again, she's kind of a goldfish. <laughs> <laughs> Bless her heart. Rest in peace. Rest in peace. She <laughs> like later on in the movie, he's like, "Oh, hey, we... speaking of rest in peace, whoever did that fucking stunt where she landed on the car? That was Jesus the that was the next. Christ. And you're right. That was way oh impressive. My God. I thought her the same thing. Almost went up her own ass. Now they would just CG mm-hmm. that crap. But man, that looked yeah. Like people were getting hurt. (laughs) Whoever that stunt woman is is in her underwear, so she's got no padding on. She crushes this car with her back, and like her her legs go over her head, her her heels hooking her earrings, and like there's a taint. Yes, yeah, it was pretty impressive. It's amazing stuff. You can see all the way through here, from like asshole to mouth. Gross, Matthew. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, that was the angle we got, but yeah, it was it was intense. Like. Like it actually made me just sit there and go, "Oh shit!" It's like having Stu on and the show. That rarely happens in a movie for me anymore. It's like that was genuinely shocking. Yeah. Right. So yeah. my next note was literally Lori Partridge, but we already went over that. So my next note was at thirty-seven minutes in, we have Susan Day as the Terminator because that scene was straight <laughs> Terminator. Yeah. Yeah. One hundred percent the Terminator pose, and I and can't. Fun- oh, what came first, the Terminator One or this movie? This movie, yeah, this was eighty one. Okay, this this is actually a, an historical thing that like every technol technological nerd will tell you that that rendering of Lori Partridge in that machine when she's getting scanned into the computer is the first ever CGI replica of a human being that was realistic. They 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 did the technology for this movie. I was wondering if that yeah. like how that was done. If that was just if they actually used her and they just tried to make it look that way, or if it hi. Was- I'm Cindy. I'm the perfect female type, 18 to 25. I'm here to sell for you. Hi, I'm Cindy. I'm the perfect female. I actually wrote down every line from all of the commercials in all of this in every single scene in this movie, and I was oh, going to only respond in, in commercial lines this whole time. Oh, you're gonna, that's going to excite me here in a minute. <laughs> oh, but actually, we, we didn't. We, you, you skipped the most important part of the opening: the ravaged commercial. The ravaged. Oh so, the, so that the Put it uh, between your toes. Did you recognize oh. the guy's voice? It sounded familiar. It I couldn't tell familiar. who it was. She's getting hit on by a phantom Morris the cat. What? It's the same guy who did the, the voice of Morris the, the cat. At food commercial? Yeah. Whoa. Okay. Yeah. Once, <laughs> now, if you ever watch the scene, you're going to be like, oh, yeah, I can't hear it now. Just picturing this big orange tabby <laughs> off camera, like, put a little between your toe. You never know. <laughs> a bit behind the knees, will please. <laughs> Well, tell me, Morris, what is that? So this is important, too, though, what you're talking about right now, because, again, and and we'll get to another one of my notes. This is why my notes are great, because I'm, like, going along with the movie, and all the shit that I talk about, we find out later, but I didn't know it at the time. I'm like, what the hell is going on here? Like, what's with these commercials? What's with these weird-ass commercials in the background? And they were. They were very much, like, some of them were going on in the background through the whole movie. These commercials are going on. So the other thing I noticed was, like, when I married Jim, I never thought I'd get stuck with this dungy kitchen. <laughs> that that commercial was awesome. 
I've heard people complain about the movie. They said, these commercials are so stupid, they would never have aired. I'm like, you were not alive in oh, the 70s. Oh, absolutely, these commercials would have aired. These are all dead on. Yeah, yeah. 100%. And they they uh, they intermingled with a lot of like realistic products, too, in the movie. So I'm Yeah, the like, Fruit of the Loom commercial, yeah. I definitely recognize the this buzz for you. Costumes. And it fit. I mean, yeah. so yeah. yeah. If they weren't alive, if you weren't alive in the eighties, they're just just stupid. Yes, <laughs> I actually mentioned that here. But then I get on, like, I go. So she ends up going over to to Albert Finney's place. He like takes her because he's afraid they're gonna somebody's gonna come after her. Well, yeah, and, I mean, he, I mean, this, this the thing is, they he's also being framed for this. This, this doctor is being framed, right? So we we at learned, the first crime scene they left a button at the second crime scene they left his pen. Right. So the cops keep coming by and being like, "What's going on?" Oh, by the way, there are two Friday the Thirteenth connections in this. Two two Jason victims in this movie. Really? Mm-hmm. Oh, Terry Kaiser. True. Yeah. Directing a uh, Hawaiian Tropic commercial, and one of Albert Finney's, Finney's secretaries is Vera from Friday the Thirteenth Part Three, who got shot in the eye with the arrow. I recognize that girl, and I can't oh, figure out what shit. the hell I okay. knew her from. I kept going. Where do I you know, know that that face from? There's one more shocker. All right, Vanna White is in this movie. What? Really? What? She's Where? in the shampoo commercial. She's, she's you see her washing her hair. She's got to go back and watch this again. Totally. She's totally like, like, listed no, on the IMDb. She's staying. You're right. So he's he's afraid that like three of like three have three of them died at this point. Yeah, three have died because he three went of them. to one the, died in a car crash before the movie started. The, we saw the girl get tangled in the curtains and fall off the thing. And, and when then he goes. Third girl comes up and she's like, "Listen, you got to change me back." Right. They're killing all the girls that are perfect, and he thinks they're crazy. And then she gets a call from the senator and she freaks out. It's like that's the senator, the cops. They're in on it. The cops. You don't know what's going on. And then this is what I love. She hears the senator on the phone, which is important if you know if they actually left any real ending. She freaks out when she hears the senator on the phone. I love that she's also wearing Yoko Ono mirror glasses, right. like she's kind of figured it out. Yeah, which comes up later. But yeah, she goes, "Oh great. my god, she's gonna leave town." She's, like, "I'm on the first flight to Chicago to see my parents. I'm gonna find somebody to change me back." And then she goes, "Oh, I forgot my bags back in my apartment." Like she's on her way to the airport, and she forgot her suitcase. And then when she runs out, she forgets she her, leaves purse her purse in Albert Finney's office. And yeah. then she's at back in her apartment. I'm going, "How did you get home? It's L.A. Everybody drives. <laughs> How'd you get in your apartment? Where are your car keys? What's happening?" Well, not to not to bring back something that uh, Kevin said in the vehicle episode, but uh, it's probably the cocaine. Would be my guess. <laughs> well, you know, yeah, there there was a little little uh, coke vial in her purse there too. So yes, there was. Yes, there was. There was. So Albert Finney like rushes over to her apartment. We see the flash of light. She comes flying out of the building, and what's he do? He runs up there, which is like. Also, why did the cops get there so freaking fast? Like, were they alerted? Didn't he call him and tell him that they needed to go there? I don't think well, so. I don't think so, no. Because he didn't know they needed to go there. He was just going to check on it. It was a blonde girl in peril. They're there like that. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. But he, he does the dumbest thing. He runs you know straight up the stairs right into the place. And, of course, now he, he gets his DNA everywhere. He's this man on the balcony looking out over. He's yeah. like, oh, well, there's someone who knows what's going on. I better go confront them. I'm a plastic surgeon. I know what to do. There was a guy here with a mustache. <laughs> right. I saw him. <laughs> Well, not to jump too far ahead, but he did arm himself with a scalpel later. So he's not the brightest plastic surgeon, but he at least knows his tools. I mean, if that's the only thing you've got. Yeah, I mean, true. Yeah, I wouldn't want to get killed with a scalpel. Anyway, she's in the, he, he gets her to stay over at his place, and uh, she kind of finds out. Takes her on a date. Takes her on a date. Yeah. 
Yeah. Let's do that fundraiser yeah. for Wrestling International, which is where James Comer gets thrown into the mix. There's not a date. It's a black tire fire. And she's like, yeah, I don't really want to go. And he's like, well, it's for John Reston. She's like, John Reston, the guy who's responsible for half the commercials in L.A.? I'll go. I'm a tramp. <laughs> I'd go. I could say that. Absolutely. I think the tramp part was subtext that he picked up on. No, I think she said it. So in the but so in the movie we end up she's over at his house she she finds out what's going on she gets pissed off because he didn't tell her ahead of time and we have this really bizarre scene and again at this point I still didn't know what the plot was like the the underlying plot so I wrote down so she goes to see her parents she's like I'm going to see my parents this scene doesn't even really fit in the movie it's weird it's no. like thrown in here but I wrote in my notes: mm. Were her parents hypnotized? Was this Crichton's make? Was this Crichton making social commentary on television? Ding ding right. ding ding ding. Yeah, ding. I think it's exactly what it was. One hundred percent. But but her parents did. So so you got the poor man's Archie Bunker sitting there watching TV, laughing, and like totally ignoring his his daughter when she. It was just a weird, creepy scene that I'm like, why was this scene in here? Really weird. Well, I think it's just I think it's just a way to get, to get out that she had nowhere else to go. Well, I mean, was he to trying back. to say like, like she couldn't? Even, she couldn't even tell him like her. She just found out her friends are dead like an hour ago, right? And that's why she's here, and she's trying to tell him. And they're just like, ha ha! And we're watching some fifties comedy because we're just hearing yuck 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 yuck, yuck <laughs> on the TV. So they're watching some old bullshit. But it was just really weird. I mean, knowing the plot of the movie later, I mean, is he was he like trying to say like, look, you're already hypnotized by TV. You're already hypnotized by this stuff. So it's almost like well, he does say that. I mean, he has that. He's a whole monologue about that where he's like people. People consider like three years of jail sentence, but people spend three years those, of their life watching, watching TV, te- watching television commercials. Yeah, it's, yeah. So the next thing that so I was, particular, yeah, I was very excited about Patrick was I think he's walking around and in the background we hear a constipation commercial. <laughs> it was the best. <laughs> Jay, Jay, let me ask you a frank question: Are you feeling out of sorts? Yes. Are you feeling irritable <laughs> and on edge? Well, constipation is nothing to sneeze at. <laughs> or, well, sometimes when I sneeze. I remember that commercial. <laughs> well, that's what's great. when you That was a real commercial. When you said that you were like, I wrote down, I have the commercials. I was like, I was so excited because I was trying to tell Stu about it earlier. I'm like, there's this constipation commercial. It's like, are you having a bad day? <laughs> like, and I was like, listen, I'm like, oh, my God, this is a commercial for what? <laughs> it was so good. So good. And that's the you kind got of stuff. A pine cone stuck in your colon. <laughs> and that is the stuff that is going on in the background through this whole movie. Like it is playing in the background. So if you weren't paying attention, you might not have even heard that commercial going on in the background. But of course, I heard it. Um, well, they zoom in on the TV for the con- full constipation. There's nothing to sneeze at. They want to make sure you hear that part because that's great. No, no. <laughs> Diarrhea is nothing to sneeze at. Because see what I did. True. When you want to sneeze when you. No. Well, really, you don't want to do any. Why are you sneezing at my anus? That's not okay. <laughs> we don't have that kind of relationship, Jay. I just. I don't I know tried. why. Yeah, said no. When stuff like that get gets said, that that's my brain like pictures it. <laughs> like, why are you sneezing at my <laughs> anus? <laughs> Fortunately, I'm wearing an anal mask right now, so it's okay. <laughs> It's a new one for me. It's an anal 95 oh, mask. My anal mask protects me, protects you. <laughs> Six feet away. Stop it. Can we move on, please? So somewhere, so when they were at the lab, I forgot to mention that. They go to the lab, and he's looking around, and we do the see the, the, looker, the looker lab. I, no, I, they, she, okay, here's the thing. 
uh, they 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 have this whole thing that he he's following her everywhere. He follows her to commercial suit, a commercial shoot for uh, Hawaiian Tropic. Answer Terry Kaiser. He's the director of the commercial. He's only in one scene. He's great. Yeah. One thing yeah. I love about this is that like he, they're having problems with the commercial. Like she's we're already seeing how computers are influencing commercials because they're like everything we already had. No, we didn't have this. Um, they're saying, oh well, there's this computer thing now, and she has to jump and hit the ball, but it has to be at this specific angle. With a specific kind of twist, right. and she's done like 85 takes, and eventually they're just like, fuck it. They're going to have to scan her in at DCI, at uh, DMI, Digital Matrix Incorporated. And she doesn't know what that is. And he's, she's like, I don't know. They're sending me to this computer company that, that John Reston owns, and the, the James Copeland character. And he's like, well, well I'll come along with you. <laughs> so they go. And can I, can I say something? Can I just add something? Which I, Johnny Krug made this observation when he was on my show talking about the movie and he's dead on, he's like, this movie, it's kind of the same blueprint as Halloween three. Yep. Interesting. Yes, it is. Interesting. You got the countdown days. You got this weird, creepy corporation. That's going to do something awful with TV. Yep. Yeah. It, I, I pointed that out to Connie last night. Actually, I was like, there's a lot of stuff that just parallels Halloween three. So. The only thing that was missing is if she came back as a robot at the end. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I mean, kind of. She kind of did. They did have a CGI version of her that was basically artificial intelligence. Yeah, yeah. Sure. But if, if somehow that that was that was what he rescued at the end after she got kidnapped. But anyway, we're ahead so of you mentioned yeah. the the Hawaiian trop again. This whole commercial, like we hear her them tell her she has to do it perfect and match up with with the computer. But again, we don't know why. We're like, why? Like, I don't understand why they need it to match perfectly with the computer because they haven't explained that yet. No, that's this next scene. We find yes. out now. Well, she's getting scanned into this computer, which is this thing we talked about later, which is gorgeous scene. Gorgeous scene. Uh, where she's just standing naked yes. in this tube, and there's, there's, there's crosshairs on her, and she's just spinning, and it, there's this classical music playing. It's gorgeous. I mean, it's it's not erotic in any way, but it's like I said, if I was Susan Day, I'd be like, I would be really proud to have my body captured looking like this in this scene that's gorgeous. Right. I don't care if the movie sucks. Yeah. It's a work of art. Yeah. Yeah, and Bradford pointed out that that is actual technology that they use for for in the um, uh, clothing industry for cutting fabrics to make sure everything like fits bodies properly. So, do you think? So, I noticed a lot of this movie, like that scene, it, but it didn't exist then. The scene yeah. looked and great. now they actually use that type of thing for making like three D models for like three D printing and stuff. Yeah. So, so the scene looks yeah, it's, incredible. It's like the exact same thing. But it's really a lot of these scenes, like that particular scene and a couple more, like are really drawn out. Like they they go on longer than they would today. And I mm. I, I keep kind of going back yeah. to if you've ever gone if you've ever watched um, two thousand one Space Odyssey, like when it came out in the theaters, the movie same thing and the first Star Trek movie, the scenes in space were like really long and drawn out, and it took like long times to cover the ships. And now if you watch it, like that's really boring. But back then. When you're watching it, like this shit hadn't been done before, so you're seeing it, and and you're kind of watching these effects, and you're kind of like, this is really cool. So that's why they kind of, and also Laurie Partridge is naked, and that too, <laughs> which didn't hurt. Yeah, very I had a good I, point. Yeah, I had a huge crush on her when I was a kid. So you know, yeah, this was this was. This was not an issue when we were all eleven. Even, I mean, even the gay boy was. Lo we love our boobs. We were like, wow, <laughs> <laughs> and it's gorgeous. But meanwhile, while this is going on. James Coburn has this evil lady sidekick who uh, who runs this particular branch of his corporation, this, this research, quote-unquote, research institute. She's giving him the grand tour. Right. Because they met at this party last night. 
what I love about this, this is the gay man commenting on fashion. I love that in this world, a gold lame sleeveless <laughs> blouse is perfectly fine business attire in this world. <laughs> love the 80s. And it's cut down to her belly button. I'm like, yep. For <laughs> a research institute. Okay. Um, yeah, and she, she sees, shows him different technologies. And that thing with the, uh, the retina scan, yeah. retina tracking, that exists. No. Yeah, I'm sure it does. Yeah. Uh, it, 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 she makes him watch commercial and this thing tracks where his eye is looking to so be like, no, you're looking at the girl's boobs. You're supposed to be looking at the product. So this per- this commercial doesn't work. We have to refix up everything. And he gets to see this whole scan. They explain everything like, oh yeah, well, we're doing this thing now. Well, we, we have, he said, well, I, I worked on all these girls and these girls are dying. And like, well, yes, but this was part of our project, but we never went forward with it. Um, the whole thing was like the girls, we, when we put them through the computer, that the girls were, were had these really high scores. But if we made these minor adjustments, they'd be perfect. The problem was if they started moving, they couldn't hold their perfection. So we came up with this idea of digital, digitally animating them. So that way they would always be perfect and therefore be the most marketable so that you cannot take your eyes off of them. So, yeah, which and I know this, <laughs> this comes a little bit later in, in the movie, um, but I know he's talking about it when he makes the comment about, you know, you know, there'll be a point where we can make an entire commercial with 100% digitized characters. And I'm like, oh my God. Cause again, this stuff has been talked about, yep. you know, digitizing characters. When will they just be well, able it's to? Been done. They, did that, right. they did that movie with Beowulf where uh, yep. Angelina Jolie was completely computerized. Yeah. She wasn't in the movie. Yeah, it's all motion capture. But like the, yeah. but, but the more and more realistic it gets, it, it's like, will they ever reach a point where they're like, well, we'll just digitize everyone. We don't need to actually have that, which is weird. There was a movie, um, God, uh, what was it? It was not a great movie. Simone. Simone. It was about a, a fully digital character that they convinced the world was re- real. She was like a singer, actress. Oh. Do you guys remember oh, that movie? Uh, did, did it start like Charlize Theron? I think she might have played. Might be. To the internet. I want to say. I'm looking it up. I wanna, Carry on. I want to say like Al Pacino was in it. Or maybe Dustin Hoffman. I don't remember. I think you're right. So they're taking, they're doing the tour here of of this like facility, and the one room he can't get into is the Looker Lab. Now I can't say it, the Looker Lab, <laughs> the Looker Lab. Uh, I'm drunk as fuck. So he can't, he can't get into the Looker Lab, and he's mad about it. And she tells him it's just a, oh, that's just a maintenance thing, and that's why my card won't work to get you in there. And then he not so delicately steals uh, an access card, which, I mean, I get it, but that turned out not to be important at all for any reason whatsoever. But we kind of find out at this point, like right around this time period, what the looker gun is. Like they don't really hide it from us anymore. They they don't bury this plot point. The looker gun is a laser that when you shoot it at someone, I guess it just sort of hypnotizes them, stuns them. We don't really know how long. They never, it seems to differ. Did you guys get that feeling? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, point, it, it was a little strange. Five minutes, and then at one point, it's like an hour, two hours. Well, I, I know the scene where it's at multiple hours. He, I think he's flashing with multiple times. It's not multiple times. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, multiple, that's right. But, but what's weird is like the scene in the like fight scene. She just <laughs> sits there the whole time. Like he has to keep getting flashed. I don't know. I mean, she's, are we supposed to? No. I, there's never any. They never really tell you how long it hypnotizes them, but it kind of puts them in a trance briefly. And the way we find out about that is really cool. That I really appreciated that whole scene uh, with, with Albert Finney in his house, and like time mm. kept jumping, and like the 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 freezer door. 
like the stuff was getting iced over and stuff, and he he couldn't quite figure out what was going on. That scene was really cool. I thought that was a really well done scene. It was a really well done scene because I, I remember the first time we watched it, I was going, "What the fuck is going on?" We right. just went to sci-fi category, sci-fi world, and I don't know what's happening. That's kind of a that's kind of a Michael Crichton thing to do, where it's like. I'm going to like bury some of the sci-fi in here and then start bringing it out. So that's, that's pretty common. Like if you've read a lot of his books, that's a lot of people have problems with them is the first hundred pages or so can be tough to get through a lot of times. It's like, here's all the science fact. (laughs) And then you're like, okay, okay. And then it gets into the story mode. And then we start getting the fun shit, the fantasy, the sci-fi stuff. So Amy pretty, (laughs) Amy want green drop drink. (laughs) Bad gorilla. (laughs) Bad gorilla. Sorry. <laughs> Kev, we were all doing scenes from Congo. <laughs> Did you give her the banana with the dope inside? Yes, I gave her the banana with the dope inside. <laughs> oh, God. Matt tells me this story about meeting <laughs> Ernie Hudson. And he's like, when I met oh, him, okay. he's like, I almost did. Are you kidding? I love Congo. It's one of my favorites. When I met Ernie Hudson, I almost quoted the entire movie to him. And I'm like, meanwhile, Ernie Hudson's like, could somebody get this guy the fuck away from me, please? <laughs> He's just quoting my movie lines, and he won't shut up. <laughs> I was trying so hard not to just look at him and, and quote the scene where uh, chase him the little the tent uh, air conditioner. <laughs> like, yeah, I know it's a bit much. Shit, I'll take one. Did he just grin at you and nod? Go, yeah, like, that was. No, yeah. I didn't say any of these lines to him, but I just really <laughs> wanted to see if we could carry on a conversation in movie quotes. You could be best friends right now. You could be we best friends. Been. Yeah. Well, he was in my car at the time too. So, oh, good. So he's like, trapped. Oh, yeah. Exactly. Well. Okay. So Ernie right. Hudson. Ernie Hudson's in the front seat, and Doug Jones is in the back seat. Oh shit. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. I, I hope you have very a big car. That's a lot right. of legs and arms to get in there. Doug. He's got all legs and arms. Doug, Doug Jones. Oh yeah. god. Yes. And he weighs about fifty pounds though. He's a yeah. gangly motherfucker. Yes, he is. Yeah, it, was, yeah. it was a Ford Focus station wagon. You know the pinnacle of luxury i can say this to 100 percent fact because i have have actually held doug jones up in the air and he doesn't weigh shit no this was not like dirty dancing style (laughs) which i would have done his finger my ear holes twice forget it this story sucks (laughs) no we were we were um i I just picture him in matt's car with like his like his his knees poking out both sides yeah (laughs) nothing but elbows He's like real life Jack Skellington. <laughs> he kind of is. Hey, okay, were we talking about a movie? What's happening? He kind of is a real life Jack Skellington, if you think about yeah. it. He, he would probably play the role I, really well. I kind of want to see that now, actually. So I mentioned sort that. Sort of like a Slenderman in the backseat of your Slenderman. car. Slenderman? <laughs> yeah, kind of. He would probably play that role really well, too. So He did play a Slenderman. So I mentioned. Well, I, I missed that movie, man. I heard really bad yeah, things. It's, yeah, but that's him. So I mentioned that he stole the the card when they were going through the place and like i said it didn't i mean i guess he needed to but it didn't even work out that whole scene was weird they end up going back to the lab later that night because he wants to get into the, the locker room <laughs> <laughs> you mean the locker room <laughs> yes the locker room <laughs> it sounds like is that like because you've been rich Looker lab, the locker room at the looker lab, not just the room. No, I think that I think that moment that seems just to show off more fancy technology. Like, look, they have robot janitors. Yeah. Oh, absolutely, one hundred percent. That's what that scene was for. Um, yeah. But so yeah, so they the access card doesn't work to get in there, and they can't get in on the first try. That's too easy because they realized the card was stolen. 
Um, it just so yeah. happens the mustache man is just happens to be looking and at they, the monitors at the perfect time. They knew immediately too, and they let him in. They, that's the one of the things that I think is amazing about this movie is James Cobert and this this is evil sidekick are so fucking cocky, and that's their downfall. They're just like, eh. Yeah, whatever. Yeah, whatever. let him do it. Let him let him find there's out. There's no secrets. need. To, there's no need to frame this guy for anything. There's no need. Easily. And then they and then every time they meet him, they keep taunting him with stuff like, "Oh, I heard I heard another one of your models died." Baiting <laughs> him. Would you like to see our new technology? <laughs> it's like, uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. This is what we're going to use to destroy you, you stupid motherfucker. Sure, we'll give you a seven million grant for your for the institute you want to open. Good luck for opening it for presents. <laughs> So we get this scene. I guess when you're dead, you don't have anything else better to do. But, Obviously. You know, commit crime that are so obvious. And to create a gun that when you flash it in people's faces, it hypnotizes them. By the way, right. that technology does exist. Like, like hypnotic technology, not that advanced, but I mean, it's used. I've, I've been hypnotized that way at uh, my therapist once. So it exists. Interesting. Now, how do you know it's not to that? that advanced yet well, i don't know apparently somebody made the gun and then it disappeared and then he ended up killing a bunch of models <laughs> stewie just text me to, to inform me that they finally plowed our driveway <laughs> wow yeah hot <laughs> right the code for something <laughs> it's, it's it is a little innuendo they plowed uh, the driveway well, you know. oh yeah oh, <laughs> oh, girl thanks guys um so yeah, we go we get into the looker lab at this point and we get into this awesome fight scene with with the flashing looker gun and <laughs> the the I, I laughed so hard during that scene too. It, the fight scene with the overacting that would have made William Shatner proud right here. These he's getting <laughs> punched. Finney, not an action hero. No, God no. He flashes him in the eyes, waits a full second, and kicks the guy in the balls. <laughs> What was and God? How hard did Mustache Man hit? <laughs> like there were at least two scenes where he got punched and went flying through the air, through like, the glass wall. Yes, yeah. <laughs> it's a great like shot. a good it's, it's, seven it's, it's feet fun. backwards from a punch. So yeah, we figure out he he gets the, yeah, uh, the that was the mustache that hit him, not the man. Came off <laughs> it was the mustache just whipped him across the room, just grabbed him just and flung him. Disembodied mustache. My favorite part of the scene, I don't know if you talked about it while I was away, it was when, when Susan Day gets hypnotized by the commercials. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So When oh, he's yeah. finding out, when he's going through the book and finding out, he's like, oh, my God, they made a gun. They're doing this. And he hasn't gotten to the part where, oh, by the way, we've harnessed this to technology to make, to our commercials to make sure that you're going to buy whatever we tell you to buy. Right. And vote for whoever we tell you to vote for. Right. Um, yeah. And she just gets, I want it. I want it. <laughs> it's yeah. a creepy scene. Yeah, six more days till Halloween. <laughs> so you mentioned though, you said um, there was a whole thing with the senator and stuff. We get a little tiny bit of the senator thing, but they never, like you said, they never go in depth as to that plot point. Right. Yeah, really. That was probably like minute they, five. They don't at all. There was, uh, there's a whole, there's a whole, there's two. The, the scene that okay, we're jumping to the end. The scene that's missing. One of the scenes that's missing is James Coburn saying, "Like, listen, that was a failed project. Did we we." The girls weren't supposed to go ahead with it. They went ahead with, they got the surgery. They weren't supposed to. It didn't work out. Um, we don't keep receipts. Those girls were receipts. So they had to be shredded. But then we find out later that it was more about the, they figured out that one of the girls fa worked on something with the senator and found out what was going on. They don't know which one. So we got to get rid of See, all that of them. And how quick and easy would that have been? 
Like you mm. could have added with that minutes. gun. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. With could the car accident in L.A. No, I mean, like, how quick could they have inserted that plot point and made the movie make that much more? 15 minutes into that movie, it's all they would have had to given us. It would have made Apparently so much more Apparently it was sense. studio interference. The studio was like, eh, we don't like it. Apparently there was something going on politically at the time. They're like, no, 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 it's too sensitive. <laughs> yeah, we, we don't like do plot. <laughs> Just take that shit yeah. out. We don't, we don't need plot to make this Add more boobs. They'll be fine. Well, they yeah. weren't wrong. <laughs> that, yeah, that, right. In the 80s, <laughs> it, that was the way to go. Didn't hurt, you, know. you added boob. 11 year olds are going to love the shit out of this on HBO. It I might will, tank in the theaters, but those. I will say. It's a masturbate. I will say, you said that you know he's not an action hero, and he's not, and they did try to give him a couple action scenes. But you mentioned the scalpel earlier, and I'm pointing as if anybody knows who the hell I'm pointing at. But the scalpel was mentioned earlier, and like even the fight scene in the lab. He he is smart. Like he does use his brain. Like throwing the acid on the glasses so he couldn't, so the mustache man couldn't get any more, and you know couldn't grab a pair of the glasses to wear them. Yeah, like he was very smart about. It. I also really appreciated the fact that when he got his hands and on one of the looker guns in so many movies, they would have dropped that gun or left that gun or not. He he takes the damn gun. He keeps that gun yeah. for the rest of pretty much for the rest of the movie and uses the shit out of it, which I I loved <laughs> in traffic. Yeah, we'll get in to traffic. that. We'll get to the, the most man. dangerous car chase scene ever. <laughs> the problem with this movie is once you after you've seen it a couple of times, like. After she gets scanned, the movie dies until the finale. Oh yeah, it's I can, really boring. One hundred percent could see that. I could see this movie being totally boring. He's not. He's not engaging, and the, the action's not that great. And the first time through, when you're still figuring out what's going on, it's fun, and you know how it. And you don't know how it turns out. But now I'm just like, oh, cut to the end. Just cut to the end. Which cut is the where end. that commercial. Which is where that subplot would have come in nicely. You could interject that throughout. Cut. Trim some of these other scenes. Add that in, and it would probably help with the timing of the movie mm-hmm. a lot. Yeah, that's probably why they had to pad it out. So you mentioned bullshit. You mentioned the car yeah. chasing. That was so random. Like all of a sudden, we cut to a car chase. We're like, I'm like, what the hell? How did it? Where is this? It just happened. And they're driving down the road. I love that they're they're trying to flash each other with the looker guns from car to car. And he just keeps covering his <laughs> eyes with his hand. Only he's he's only putting like one finger. <laughs> like it just wouldn't work. But my note says. Exactly how did he end up in that fountain? Because they don't explain how he got his car up in that fountain. Up and over. over the wall. <laughs> there, there's no like crushed wall or we see some tire tracks. It made no sense. My take was how are you driving that fast in LA traffic? Right. Well, you know. Yeah. <laughs> I I I like to think that the way he ended up there was just fucking Dukes of Hazard jumping it all the way in there because they, when they go back to the crowd that's gathered around that fountain, they all look fucking stunned. Well, so did he. They were all brainwashed as well by this fucking looker gun. I will. I which will, is what I'm calling it, the looker gun. I will give, what it's called. give them credit for that. Almost like Michael Crichton was like, yeah, I can't explain how he ended up in the fountain. Let's just even make him look shocked. Like, what the hell? Like, Because like, he kind of looks back. He looks over the terrain like they are obviously showing you this should not be possible. <laughs> so, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> Guess I kind of appreciate it. <laughs> And then he oh, runs, LA, and then the lady yeah. goes, oh, he's over there in the LA. bushes. And then they <laughs> never find him either. And then he jumps in a car. Well, what you didn't know was that in front of them the was a truck that was carrying one of Evil Knievel's ramps. <laughs> right. <Yeah. laughs> Those looker boys done did it again. Them looker boys done. <laughs> 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 
let's get fat tin four. Sorry, that was that was the best Roscoe I could do. That was the worst thing I've ever heard. It was pretty. It was, it was pretty I am slightly actually. That's why I apologized. Uh, I'll edit that out. Well, so um, <laughs> no, we won't. No, I won't. <laughs> we'll put it at the beginning of the show and make it to some weird non sequitur. So then we get to we go we get in the whole the the whole fight scene that took place in the last. Oh, we learned at one point too, which comes up briefly. They make it into this thing like the way to stop it is smoke, which they use. But I thought that would come into play way more than it actually does. The whole smoke thing to stop. I must have missed that entirely. Yeah. So yeah, there was, looking, there was there was there was there was a little there was a little doodad that that put out smoke. Canister of smoke. Yeah, and the huh. they use it. The the uh, bad guys use it. There's a there's another crony running around with mustache man for a few minutes in this film. Yeah, and they they use the smoke um, in one scene, and then there's the glasses, and that's you had mentioned earlier. The one girl was kind of wearing mirrored glasses almost like she'd figured it out which if they went with the original plot maybe she did like maybe she was she's the, the one who seems to know right. she's the one who knows what's going on she's freaking out she freaks out when the senator calls right so that would make you're sense. helping him that's when she runs so she's scared of the senator so i keep saying you keep pointing at the senator but then you never give us why we're pointing at the senator right and they we do get like one commercial with the senator and i guess we're led to believe like hey we're gonna end up using this to, to influence politics but again they don't really go in depth and, and, no, and, and, and actually, when you look at it now, when I was looking at it, I'm like, actually, this is really, really, I mean, I don't know how bad this was. I mean, it must have been starting back then that you have like three companies, like three umbrella companies that own everything right. in the world. Like, like, like all the, when you keep going deeper, 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 there's basically three companies that own everything. And this is one of those companies. Reston is one of those things. Like they say, we dabble in everything. We're in, we're in like uh, fast food. We're in um, cosmetics. We're in this, we're in that. We're in pinball machines. We're in. Technology. Yeah. We do commercials. We do all. We have our fingers in all the parts. Right. And all so, if you've got this company that that's hypnotizing you to buy everything that they buy, and also, by the way, vote for who we vote for. Now, all of a sudden, we own the government too. We own the most powerful country in the world. Right. It's, yeah. it's a it's a pretty. That's really. It's kind of scary. <laughs> to think and how about. easy it is. I mean, because these people people it's it's not a slow process. Like with these when the, the little little dots come up in the eyes in the commercials, these people go in right away. They're gone. Right. And it's yeah. totally not happening now either. Totally not a real thing. <laughs> of course not. Nope. No. As I speak I mean, into the yeah, microphone, I bought on people, Amazon. I mean, back on, you know, not, it's not the first time people have done things. Like they, they've been putting subliminal shit in commercials for years. Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Hungry? Buy more popcorn. And I mean, this isn't the first time that Thirsty? movies have brought it up or, you know. Well, this might be early on, but I mean, even Fight Club talks about it. I mean, lots of lots of movies have talked about it. We know that they put uh, clips of porn in uh, the Rescuers. <laughs> yeah. Ah, those Disney engineers <laughs> gotta love those guys. So yes, you blow. I do you, and you do me. You're gonna get sued for that now. Yeah, I don't care. You're welcome. I don't own anything. Um, yeah, That's but all right. with the thing, one We've of the things I mentioned before, there's a countdown. This way worse. There's a countdown <laughs> clock in this movie, and it, it's not much of a countdown clock because it's only three days. But it's counting down to this big event. The big event. And those were eventful days, by the, the big way. Big reveal of this new technology at this glorious, like, five star banquet with all you can, you can tell that all like ancient senior citizens, right. gazillionaires are sitting there. And at this point, Susan Day's been kidnapped too. They've got her. Right, and they got to get to the factory before the Silver Shamrock commercial comes on. Right, <laughs> it's, it's pretty accurate. Um, yeah, so they've kidnapped her and they take her to the shindig and lock her up 
with a handcuffer to some like a fucking banister. Why? I don't know. Like, what was their point of taking her there and handcuffing her there? Were they going to kill her? Why didn't I mean, they just kill her? Like, I'm just very I, confused. I think it's to lure him there. I get that. I get that makes sense. Yeah. That makes sense. So it does. They're it cocky, works. They're cocky fuckers. They're like this is going down, and we've we've got we've got the best security in the world here. We've got Mustache Man and his mustache. That's true, and that mustache is lethal. Is that mustache Man's assistant was his yeah, mustache, mustache Man number two. Yeah, there we go. Mustache Man's assistant <laughs> was his mustache. It just comes off his face. <laughs> Every once in a while. <laughs> it's an anthropomorphic mustache that drives a car while he's shooting a laser gun. I would watch that movie. Right? You didn't see the scene. You didn't see the scene when they were driving when the mustache really long out of his nose and went over his eyes to protect right. him from the gun. That would have been awesome. <laughs> that two long whiskers reach out, grab the steering wheel, and just start driving for him. But what I thought was fascinating, <laughs> this is where they didn't get the technology right. This is where they got it wrong. Because like we're we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna scan all these actors into the computer. We're gonna have totally animated computer uh, computer actors and computer generated sound and computer everything. But we're gonna use actual scenes. Yeah, live like scenes. Sets. Yeah, we're gonna use real yeah. live sets and almost like green screen these digital as we're. F- it's that was really weird. It, it was, was really weird, but I can see why you could think that. But I said, no, why wouldn't you just do the whole thing? Yeah, but why would think of it? But, but it adds for some hilarity. I mean, the the final the final battle right. is very yeah. funny. I mean, intentionally funny. funny. And mark my words, Wes Craven got the idea for Shocker, Shocker from this movie when they're running through the yeah. different scenes. I, I it yeah. did make me think of that. It made me think of that scene from Shocker where they're like running through the different TV scenes. Because it's this banquet, and you know James Coburn has this wonderful speech about you know how television is the future and blah 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 basically telling everybody i'm taking over the world without saying i'm taking over the world and here's a here's our demonstration of all our commercials and they start going out live from the top of the building and albert finney and mustache man are basically having a gun battle on these sets, on the sets. so they're showing up in the commercials right and people are yeah. laughing it, it breaks the trance right which i thought was cool too i like that you were you were you talking Kinda about like at the end of they live I'll admit bit. it. I get bugs and roaches even in my perfect kitchen. <laughs> and also Albert Finney. <laughs> he comes peeking up over the sink and they all start laughing. But you were talking again about how cocky they were and that he's giving them this big speech telling them, you know, what they're going to do essentially as he's getting ready to hypnotize the entire crowd pretty much. Mm-hmm. Which I thought was really mm-hmm. cool too. He's like you think you love TV now, you're really going to love it tomorrow. So there is this like very like John Carpenter inspired music playing during this gun battle scene that started actually messing with my head. The and it was very much, you know, the sh- Silver Shamrock thing. That do yep. do do do, and it's just like after the score. This is great, I think. And that, but that scene goes on so long. That mm-hmm. that gunfight scene goes on so long with that with that music playing, and it just starts droning in your head, which I thought. First, I was like, "This is annoying," and then I was like, "Well, it's kind of effective, actually, because it's really getting across the point. Like, it's you're you're starting to get zoned in." And but that that scene did go on a little long, I thought. And it's it does go on a little long, and it's cold, and it's not great action because he's not an action star. Right. And I feel it's like they pull punches. I wanted, I wanted, I wanted James Coburn's sidekick to be just a little more icy. Yeah, she needed to be more. I wanted yeah. to hate her. I did too, and you didn't. You're not set up to hate her. You're not. I felt the right. same she's way. Really, she's yeah. actually the bloodthirsty one. There's a scene with her and, and um, James Coburn. She's like, listen, we got to get rid of him. 
And he's like, no, 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 no. Well, we did fine. She, she, she's like, no, listen, we did this, we did this, we did this, we did this with no problem. Let's just take him out. So much so did you not hate her like you, you thought you should that when she gets shot, you were waiting for her to like, is she, is she going to redeem herself right here? Is she going to like help them right here? I kept waiting for it. Cause she almost acted like she was going to. I also love that for this whole like 3d, like, I mean, not 3d, but you know, digitized world. They still have these huge buttons with analog light up signs. <laughs> I thought that too. It looked just like the holodeck. The whole set looked like they were on. It was the cheapest ass computer term. <laughs> it was the whole thing. Oh, and I love the scene where he's hiding in the car, and the again, like you said, why would they have a real car but a computer generated character, With a digitized model? And when she goes yeah. to raise the back, did you notice it added like a sound effect? Because we had they had to let us know that while she's raising it, really, this thing is all you know. It's all operated by no. Just again, if they would have just. Digitize. If they could digitize the person, they could digitize the car. You know, so it was it was really I, weird. My favorite part of that particular scene is when she's leaning in the window and Albert Finney's hiding in the car. She's leaning in the window and she's like, "And you're just gonna love the interior." And look, it even has a digital clock. That was a selling point. In that <laughs> <It> absolutely <laughs> was. was a selling point. Um, yeah. Matt, somewhere in here, was I had a car with a with an analog uh, clock in the dashboard for the longest time. Oh my god! No, <laughs> you're so you're so cool. I know. <laughs> It was a Plymouth Reliant, you guys. It was amazing. Wow. Matt, your favorite yeah. commercial was in here somewhere, right around this, <laughs> right around this, this part of the movie. Oh God, um, the spurt! Oh, spurt! Oh no, that's that, that, no. We end with the spurt. That's the last thing we see. Yeah, about, yeah. Right, right in, in the mouth. mouth. And I was like, spurt. what? <laughs> was that the one with the dad from Small Wonder in it? Did anybody catch that? Now the, the, the no, like you that. you were talking about that's the breakfast commercial which I got very excited about because the breakfast cereal was Odie's, which pops up in every is in every movie. I got I wrote it in my notes. It's my last note. Literally says Odie's with an exclamation mark because I was like, holy shit, it's Odie's, and I'm like, is this where Odie's started? Because it's in like every free, like you can. I watched a movie last week and Odie's was in it. So it's been yeah, Otis was in everything. It was it was the standard go to generic movie box. Yeah, a lot of, of people don't notice. What that. I love about this scene too is that we're getting this breakfast cereal commercial with the kids complaining, Mom, are we gonna have the same thing for breakfast again? But there's a dead guy on the table. <laughs> He's laying right in front of him. The dead guy. It's great. <laughs> it's, it is great. It's yeah, that's right, Otis. It's the perfect thing when your family's sick of the same old dead guy. See, they needed to speed <laughs> that scene up, like the cuts in between, because there was just in between those those fun little. Bits with the commercials and then popping up. It was just long, like them moving around a wall and sneaking no through the No dialogue, studio. just sneaking around, yeah. Well, Mustache and Man never says up. anything in the entire movie. Never has a single line. He doesn't have to. His mustache speaks volumes. This is true. You yep. are correct. What His mustache is reciting the works of Shakespeare, you motherfucker. <laughs> you sit down and respect. Speaking of mustache and volume, I wonder what he uses on it. Continue. I don't need to stop the whole fucking show with one bad joke. Let's just keep going. No, it wasn't a bad joke. I just had 85 <laughs> filter responses that just had a train wreck in my brain trying to get out. <laughs> you did, but I looked down at Kevin's face and he was like, what the fuck? <laughs> it's just got like generations of sniz. He never washes it. He's like, I got all to put the juice right up in here. It's all cake formed and little like a form-fitting mustache. It curls it sometimes. <laughs> Girls, we're pigs. We're pigs. What a disgusting thing for a gay man to say. It, I can't believe I said that. Curls. Oh, I can believe you said that. 
Yeah, but they 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 kill they they uh, the Jim, yeah James Coburn gets shot everybody gets shot everybody dies it's it's not a spectacular ending. No, it really isn't. There's no like huge like I don't know no big climax. It's it literally everybody just gets shot very you know non. You know, uh, to James Coburn's death scene, the way he got shot, I'm not sure if he would die instantly from that. Just me. Maybe it's just too much NCIS CSI, you know. <laughs> Feeling. Yeah, all those real he shows. Because yeah. Kevin needed yeah. the movie to be longer. Yes, yeah. he did. He's like, I want to watch him suffer. James Coburn's like, I'm out. <laughs> He's like, give me my and check, I'm out. But they're like, we did, we're the ones who call cut. I called cut. Well, we're done. Let's move on for this. <laughs> oh, God. And how about the, how about the cringy final walk away scene? Where he's like, oh yeah, oh Larry, I don't, date I don't think my I patients. take another one of your dates. Wah, Ugh, wah. <laughs> if they if they had that kind of chemistry, it would have been a cute ending. It like I was saying that Nick and Nora Charles yeah. Finn man kind of banter, but they don't have it. And I I was Ooh. like, oh god, are they gonna, are they going to kiss? And I'm part of me is like, do you think she was like, listen, I'm not going to kiss Albert Finney, okay? <laughs> like that's not going to happen in this movie. You guys understand that. He smells like bourbon and cigarettes. I'm not kissing that guy. You're no, no, I'm just trying. I'm just trying to get pl- free plastic surgery for the rest of my life. That's all I'm trying. To, even though I don't need it, because now I got this contract that where I, my computer does all the work for me, and I still get paid. You're no longer one of my patients. Here's the thing. Take you Here's something that bothers me about this movie that I noticed this time. In the very first scene, Lisa is giving that list of measurements, and one of the things that she complains that she has to have fixed is she's got a mole on her ribs. In the Hawaiian tropic scene on the beach. They put Lori Partridge in this white bathing suit that's cut down to her navel, and she's got the biggest ass mole <laughs> right between her boobs. Yeah. I don't mean to body shame, but if they took it off of Lisa, why did they leave it on you? You're not so perfect after. And why did you give her a bathing suit that shows it? Well, she was perfect yeah. in her demographic. I don't know. Right. Don't know. Yeah, the, the, the mole lovers. <laughs> yeah, the mole lovers. Yes. I'm mole. the perfect female type, 18 to 25 with moles. <laughs> mole. And Crawford. Yeah, Cindy Crawford. Yeah, yeah true, true. That, that's very, yeah. Um, but going on, even old school, Lauren Bacall, she's like, I'm never fixing this gap between my two. I need to have a flaw, which is a really obnoxious thing to say, but I <laughs> I need to yeah. have, look, I need at least one imperfection. I can't be exactly perfect. <laughs> be perfect. I have to have 100%. one imperfection. It takes balls Ugh. to say something like that, and I do celebrate that. Like, you have balls, Lauren Bacall. I love her, so I can't, yeah. not Lauren Bacall. Not Lauren Bacall, Lauren Hutton. You're like, I want to say Lauren she's Hunt. being cocky, but she even sounds charming when she says that shit. Yeah, so very anticlimactic ending, really cheesy. But I did appreciate that they played every one of the TV commercials through the credits. I thought that yeah, was with fun. that song again. But you can't go wrong with that song. Yeah, they. Uh, she did two songs in this movie, right? There was. You're on a highway, baby. There it is. There it is. Yeah. <laughs> there's a photo. There's a photo shoot. That Susan Day is doing for something called starting line lingerie, and you've got all these girls in their underwear, like they're in a track meet. I'm like, yep. Yeah, that's exactly what you would wear to run in a little track. Looks like a pump. It's like sneaker. You know, it's the same thing. <laughs> this stupid ad campaigns. But what I love before, but but this was something I noticed this time too, is when we first go to the photo shoot and we're we're getting close ups of all the gorgeous women like fixing their hair before it all starts. All of them look like either pissed off or scared of like, why am I doing this? <laughs> Like, can someone okay, turn the fan go. down? It's a little too strong. My eyes are drying out. Do we have to be here right now? I mean, do <sighs> I really have to run like, in no, this, like, God. string bikini that it's not going to hold my boobs in? All right, they're going to pop out. But all right, I'm getting paid. I mean, go for it. I mean, 
do your thing. Kevin, you're in the wrong. Just run career. around with your boobs bouncing. But it's a photo shoot, so they're. Gonna... <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Kevin, you should they're become be like... a photographer. <laughs> one's gonna be looking this way, and one's gonna be looking around the corner. If that's your thing, hey, everybody's got their kink. Good for starting starting line lingerie. Not the cr- <laughs> starting line lingerie. Well, that's gonna sell itself. Damn. <laughs> lingerie only sold at Lady Foot Locker. So I do this thing where I talk about you can and finish line lingerie. Sorry, go. <laughs> Matt, Matt, that would be finish line. Yes, very nice. Um, yeah, yeah. Matt It'll and make I make more sense. You're a winner if you're wearing finish line, starting line. Eh, it could be anything. You could fall. I could break a leg. My tit could fall out. I could trip over my own tit. Who knows? <laughs> trip over my own tit. <laughs> That's what the jury had said. Yeah, right. Check the Darwin Awards. You know somebody died from tripping over. <laughs> So I told Matt the other day. Um, you invited me on. You invited me. On. Yes, I know. <laughs> and we're very glad it's for you're gyms here. like those. Really. So yeah. I told Matt the other day. There's this whole like line of of movies from the '80s that I think you know when people always complain about remakes and this and that. I don't. I never complain about remakes. Like some of them suck, but the original still exists. And a lot of times remakes just make people go watch the original. So I don't have a problem with it. But there are a whole line of movies that I'm like, if you're gonna remake a movie. There are so many movies from the 80s that have so much potential that just weren't quite done right. Like, I think they could be done better. And one I bring up a lot, and and I love it. Matt watched it for the first time recently, which was Nine to the Comet. And I love it, but Matt was expecting a totally different movie than what he got. People fed Matt that that it was... perfection, it should never be touched. But people fed... (laughs) Like, Matt thought he was watching a zombie movie. And I'm like, no, no. Why? why Not only that, that, a zombie Christmas movie. Yeah, that's just bizarre. Yeah, but it, it showed up on on a list of movies. I mean, I guess it does take, take place. place. Well, at it Christmas. is those things, yeah. but it's its own thing, which is what I love yeah. about that movie. It's its own fucking genre. And, but if, if you I had just 100%, sat down and watched it, I probably would have thought one hundred percent its own genre. Set of opinions in that. But I'm yeah. like, like I could see like a modern remake done like. But it does not need to be zombies. They're not really zombies. They're more like mutants. They're not, and they're not even a big part of the movie. Yeah. And, but I was watching Looker going like, this movie's drawn out. It's boring. It's a little slow in parts, but it does have potential to be a really interesting thriller if done right. Yeah, but this movie tanked, tanked hard, took out everybody. <laughs> that, that studio, everything. I don't know if you remember, Jammin. I gave you this animated movie a long time ago that went, ran on HBO once. I do. And I remember watching it in the basement um, of my old house. It was, And you like, that was really weird. And I thought about bringing it up this time. But that movie, th- that movie didn't get released to the theaters because Looker tanked the studio. Really? Oh. And then other movies, one of my favorite movies, Twice Upon a Time. Which Twice Upon a Time. DVD I was release. just going to say, what was the name of that? I remember watching that now that you brought it up. Twice well, time. The fun- okay, random thing about this movie is that it never got a theatrical release. It was supposed to show on HBO. It did show Ooh. on HBO. There are three different versions of the movie. Of course there's there a are. PG-13 movie, there's, uh, which didn't exist. There's, a, there's a one with bad language. There's one with mild language, and then there's one that's G-rated. They ran the PG-13 one on HBO once, and then the studio called up and said, no, 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 that's not the one that we authorized you to, to show, <laughs> and they showed the PG one once and i like that's not it either and then it got pulled Jeez. completely so i just happened to be i just happened to have my vcr running to tape something else and it, t- it taped that too and so i happened to get both of these movies that only ran once so i was able to sell it on ebay for ever for made a ton of money off of that movie but they finally released all three versions oh really where it's were you movie. when i was trying to find fuzz bucket oh god oh. 
I've heard about Fuzz Bucket. It's on Disney Plus. Yeah, <laughs> just, just forty five yep. minutes of your life you won't get back. But it's it no Mister Boogity. See, yeah, Matt. Matt Mr. likes to Boogity. talk because Matt's like, but it's Phil Fondacaro, and I love Phil Fondacaro. But it's not like we get Phil Fondacaro in it. Like he's in a costume. A you don't get to rat. see his Fuzz Bucket. He said, "Yeah, Ooh. he's in a giant rat <laughs> costume." <laughs> We won't go on the fuzz bucket tangent, but let I want one thing, Patrick. This is a kids a forty five minute Disney kids movie, and there is a straight up Hellraiser scene in this flick. So yes, there that's is. all I'm saying. Mm-hmm. There's yep. blood and guts. Fuzz bucket if it was directed by Clive Barker. <laughs> yes, just that but one. But it was scene. actually directed by Mick Garris. So it was very weird. Oh, wait yep. a minute. No, I remember see I remember seeing answer yep. this. Yep. Yeah, I remember this. It's on no, Disney yeah, Plus. Yeah, they got it's their on own Disney Plus or something, yeah. right? Yeah, okay. We don't give, it, give it a watch just for that scene. Because I mean, kids love R-rated movies. <laughs> <laughs> seen and, like you'd think they did after watching that. Well, for a so, guy, who, I forgot all about that part till I, I saw it again. I was like, "Holy shit!" For a guy who does a that lot, intense, uh, relating to '80s toys and that that calls back to a lot of um, cartoons. Yeah, they took a lot of R-rated shit and made it into cartoons for kids, like Police Academy and Toxic Crusader. This happened a oh, lot. Yeah. It's very weird. It's true. It's true. Tales of the Crypt. Um, very bizarre. Yeah, there's there a lot of that shit. Yeah, I could see tales. I network tangenting, but I could see tales for the crypt, just because like kids wanted horror, so like to tame it down and get like you know, are you afraid of the too. dark? And I do too until the kid sees it on HBO and like uh, the <laughs> real one. And be like, oh, I'm gonna watch my cartoon, and then they're traumatized for life. Which I'm also I'm also a fan of. I'm also uh, me too. Hundred percent. It's all good, but I yeah. see other parents having some issues. So I asked these guys. I think on the last uh, Twisted Kid we did together. Uh, and I'll ask you, do you remember how old you were the first time you saw The Exorcist? Uh, oh, I was young. I was I was young. Um, it used to run on, on broadcast TV, and I remember watching it with my mother, and she kept make, she made me hold rosary beads the whole time. Really? So it was maybe six or seven. Oh. Yeah. Oh, God. You got me. Oh, oh yeah. You're, you're Catholic. Weren't you? Horror runs in my family. Yeah. So I, I, I cut my teeth. I cut my teeth when I was growing up watching I, my – earliest memories are watching horror movies on broadcast TV with my brother, like Vincent Price stuff and, you know, the big sure. bug movies from the fifties sure. and the monster movies and like that. So that's what I knew. So mm-hmm. this never seemed weird to me. Um, and of course that all ended when I conned my mother into taking me to see Friday the 13th Friday in the, the theater 13th. when I was 10 and was traumatized for life. Cause that I'd never <laughs> before. I didn't know when people died like that. <laughs> it was bad. So yeah. for me, I was, I was also introduced to horror at a very young age. My mom being a, a an English major and stuff, she, like she would literally tell my sister and I, I don't care what you read, just read. And so, of course, they were reading Stephen King, so we wanted to read Stephen King. So I read it when I was like 11 years old, and mm. I saw The Exorcist when I was 11. Now, I wasn't supposed to be watching it. I've told these guys this story many times, but my stepdad and my cousin were watching it, and I sat around the corner and watched the whole damn movie. And, of course, it terrified me, but I remember being probably about 9 or 10 and my sister having a sleepover, and they were watching uh, one of the Friday the Thirteenth in the basement. And I'm, I wanted to watch it so bad, but I was terrified. So I got in a giant cardboard box, and I would keep my head peeked over whenever like a death scene would come. I would just duck, like I just didn't want to see anybody dying. But where'd yeah. Jamie go? I was gonna kill him, but he's gone. Oh, <laughs> where would he go? There he is. <laughs> like, so. Oh no, my plan is foiled. This place. This is a completely adorable story, by the way. (laughs) Just Jay playing peekaboo in a little box. One of my one of my other earliest memories, and I think I wasn't even in school yet. So this is like circa nineteen seventy four. Psycho was coming on. Mm. 
broadcast TV. So it's going to be like, and like when I saw the exorcist, it was the TV version. So it was edited. So I didn't see all like the really bad stuff, but psycho was going to be on my brothers and sisters are all a hell of a lot older than me. They're like the next in line is 13 years older than me. So they were all psyched about psycho. And all I knew is they wanted to watch it. I want to watch it, but I had to go to bed. But on the second floor, there was another TV. So I'm like, I'm going to watch it up here by mm-hmm. myself. <laughs> I got through the whole movie until the scene where Mrs. Bates spun around in the chair sure. and it's a skeleton. Spoiler. And I screamed the I shit. Seen that. I screamed the fucking house down. And then I'm thinking, fuck, I'm in trouble. So I slap off the TV and hop into bed, <laughs> except it's 1974. So back then, when you stood off a TV, you still had this little teeny tiny dot that stayed in the Right, home. stayed lit up on the screen for like, for like two hours. <laughs> so my parents like, yeah, and I'm like, oh, shh, oh, shh. I had a nightmare. I'm like, uh-huh. <laughs> Uh, if scary, we turn this on, we're going to see Anthony Perkins, aren't we? It's like, that's even scarier because yeah, I, I wasn't knew exactly. watching They were that. watching downstairs. I just happened to scream at that exact point. The TV was on. I was so busted. But they were like, yeah, he's gonna, he punished himself. <laughs> well, and that, that was the outlook back in the 70s and the 80s. You know, they're like, ah, you learned your lesson, didn't you? You won't do that again. It's like, you know. Mm-hmm. Except I learned how to get away with it. Except we did. You know, it's funny. My mom, I remember growing up, my mom would tell us like, like the movie that scared her more than anything was she went to the drive-in and saw um, Night of the Living Dead. And on their way mm. home, she was so scared. She's like, I, I, I picked up, I had like a big stick in my hand. I was afraid to put it down. And we'd heard about this, my like our entire life, we'd heard this story. And I was probably 12 when uh, we sat down, my sister and I sat down with my mom to watch Nightmare, or Nightmare on Elm Street, uh, Night of the Living Dead. And I remember we laughed at her, and she was like, guys, this was really scary when I was a kid. And it's not that it wasn't scary. It's just like, this is what made you, like, at this point, we'd seen Nightmare on Elm Street. We'd seen Friday the 13th. Like, and we're like, this is what made you carry a stick home? But I love that movie. You so jaded okay. little bitches. I know, we jaded were. jaded little bitches. There totally was nothing were. like that before. Nothing. There was nothing in comparison. Oh, absolutely. And yeah. I know that My brother now. tells the same story. He went to see it with a bunch of his friends when they were, like, 15 or something, and you said, like, think everybody was laughing at it for a while, and then all of a sudden nobody was laughing, and then all of a sudden it was, like, really disturbed, and people were crying, and it was, like, because like, it, it was a matinee, so it was an audience full of kids. Right. It was a PG movie. So right. Drama, 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 <laughs> which I completely approve of. Me too. Traumatized an entire generation in one sitting. That's a very John Reston thing to do. I have gotten to the point. It's great. So oh. Having, having... <laughs> Having, you're all hooked now, aren't you? Having kids, you're all hooked. You're gonna be thinking about this for the rest of your fucking life. You're welcome. <laughs> having kids the age like mine. So my son doesn't. He's not really into horror. He'll watch horror movies with me, but he he, he actually finds most horror movies boring. Which I've met those people, mm-hmm. but he, he likes some of them. My daughter's really into it though, and so it's fun now. I've been taking them back to a lot of the like '80s horror because I still think a lot of it's the best. Mm-hmm. And when I get asked, you know, we're I think we're gonna watch the the thing here soon because they haven't seen that one yet. But uh, Ooh. yeah, so I like to I I like to do that stuff. It's just fun to get to share that now. The stuff that was shared with me, Looker is not a horror movie though. <laughs> so, <laughs> I guess we got off on a real tangent there. I, and I I don't even want to say this is science. that wasn't that wasn't one of the specifications that you gave me. No 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 no. Absolutely is not. No, that's that's totally not. Tucked up and weird. Yeah, no, that's all we're looking for. Uh, no, it, this checked every box. Yeah, this checked all the Albert boxes. Albert Finney, um, tits, uh, weird CGI commercials, <laughs> giant mustache, constipation, uh, 
spurt. It's got everything. Light guns. You know, it's got everything. It's got material. So my my definition of what falls into a Twisted Kid episode is if when you describe it, it sounds like a Stefan sketch. Oh, it also had boobs. Yeah. It's got little people. It's got Albert Finney. It's got a rat costume. It's got um, the password is teeny tiny dogs. But pronounced <laughs> There was a little dog. <laughs> there was a little dog. Yeah. I don't. I don't even want to call this science fiction. At the time, it probably was. Now it's it science it's not fact, anymore. but it's that's really not thing. now. It's that's what makes um, it so bizarre. I think this movie would do it. really well today. Like in this climate, I think remade. I don't know. I think if I think they remade it. People would think it was guys. over the top. That's true. A lot of the reviews I read from the Times, they're like, "This is all ridiculous. This could never happen." And here we are. But, Jay Emmett, to your point, you were mentioning earlier how fun it is to share these movies with other people. Well, every Sunday night, I've been doing, I've been (laughs) testing out my horror hosting skills and uh, showing movies, uh, doing watch parties on Sunday nights at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And on March 6th, I'll be screening Looker. He's going to be doing Looker. So, if people haven't seen it, it's hard to find. It's not out there. It's not streaming anywhere. You want to see what we were talking about? Come hang out. I got boobs for you. Yeah, he's not I wrong. So we looked at we looked up like where we could watch this, and it is available to to you to pay. You're not going to find it on any streaming services to just watch. Not even YouTube. You even have to pay on YouTube to watch this. Mm-hmm. So yeah, and Patrick does do these screening parties, man. So you should get on. And honestly, if there's anybody that's going to host an event. I do a half hour show beforehand. We show short films. We show cartoons. I tell jokes. It's a great party time. And then the chat's running. And I'm sure the chat on this movie is going to be bananas. Oh, I'm sure. Absolutely. What it'd be great is for those, for the people who hadn't seen it before, like us, like they're, they're questioning it through the whole thing. They're going to be like, wait, what the hell is going on here? Why don't you tell the folks at home where they can find you besides so they they can follow you so they can get on with this uh, live streaming thingy? Okay, well, first of all, first of all, my show, Scream Queens, the podcast where horror gets gay. What the hell does that mean? Well, it means that I look at horror through a gay lens. Flashback before I even had a podcast when I was hanging out in horror hand with these motherfuckers. Mm-hmm. I had the idea for the show. I bounced the idea off of all of them and they didn't get it. They were like, I don't really get what's different. Why would that be different? And then when the show came out, Jay gave me the best compliment that I think I've ever gotten from the show. He's like, I get it now. You don't give, you don't see anything the same way I see it. No. And it's not the, you talk yep. about movies in a way that other podcasts don't like every other podcast talk about the, the one movie, yep. the exact same way you're going to get the exact same review, but you make me see things differently. So you don't have to be gay to listen, but if you're tired of horror movies or you all of a sudden just want to see a twist on things, Come hang out with us. It's a good time. And you can find me at www.screamqueens.com. And that's Queens with a Z like Liza Minnelli. That's a gay joke. And if you don't get it, <laughs> that's okay. You're probably not gay. But anyway, that's where you find me. I'm on all the major things. And uh, to join me on Sunday nights, it's uh, 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And it's www.screamqueens.com slash drive-in. It is 100% free. Just click the link at Showtime and join the fun, baby. <laughs> I'll make your dreams come true and your nightmares too. A little bit of both. He's not lying. That will happen. Yeah. Both it's, your it's, I will. I will attest. It is a fantastic show. I've been listening for a very long time. Oh, Scream um, Queens. I actually. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Twelve yeah. years. Twelve know, years. Great. Yeah, he's one of the ones that um, stuck it out. Like, yeah, yeah I actually well, checked out a Butcher Baker Nightmare Maker because of that show. So that movie, um, among many other movies, so that was thoroughly enjoyable movie. I will also. Yeah, um, 
Oh, go ahead, Patrick. One of the things I just want to say, too, is that these guys didn't get it, and nobody got it when I was pitching the show. And now I've got thousands of imitators, yeah. and now I'm considered yeah. the great the, – I'm the granddaddy of the Gay Horror Podcast. Yeah. <laughs> How about that? That's what I found. I found out that's what they call me. Oh, and I will tell fans. people, too um, – the- the Actually, granddaddy I watch them come. Really? I watch them go. I'm still standing. <laughs> Patrick, has, he really likes watching them come, though. Through through <clears throat> through your Sorry. show, there have <laughs> been multiple movies that I have went and watched. Um, but I probably yeah. never even told you that I did, but just because you've recommended them. And one of the ones I will bring up really quick that you 100 percent it was you who got me hooked on it is uh, Anna versus the Apocalypse. Oh, oh yeah, that movie's yeah. so good. I fucking loved it. Yeah, shouldn't work. Or but Anna, it works. is it Anna and the Apocalypse? I don't know. It's Kevin, a it's a Kevin zombie that musical that takes place at Christmas. I'm telling you, man, it's what I just said sounds ridiculous, but it, it yeah, it shouldn't work, but it absolutely did. And, and it, you'll learn that there is no such thing as a Hollywood ending. Okay, no, there's not. They, and you know what? You know what? That's the thing about that movie. They say they sing that song at the beginning and at the end of the movie. You're like, holy shit, they, there really is no such thing. <laughs> right? Yeah. Wow. This is a well, never mind. Spoiler. But no, it's a great has movie. So much fucking charm, though. What like, makes you can tell that? Yeah, it, I agree. It had like a lot of like not to go too much on a tangent here, but that too movie, late. like the yeah, I know <laughs> the the people that made it had just they wanted to make something that was like personal to them. This is what it seems like. It's so unique yeah and the energy is infectious i agree it's great i agree one of the things that makes your podcast so great though in my opinion is you'll talk about mainstream stuff and then you'll talk about something way like like shit that only you and a group of people that you know that are connected to that would even know what the hell that movie is but it makes other people want to go out and look for it you've also you also one of of the things i that i always bother me about so many podcasts is that they just talk about the same movies yeah. over and over and over. I'm We're going to talk about that. I mean, especially now, you go on Tubi, yeah. there's a gazillion movies out there. And I right. made it my yeah. goal. Like I'm going to start watching these things and find the diamonds in the shit pile yeah. <laughs> and tell you to watch them. And they never do. They never do. People never listen. <laughs> the other like, thing, I don't watch the same thing. The other no, thing I, you do on that I, show, I, and it's not just movies though. I mean, you'll have like personality. I don't want to, not actors, not singers, not music, just personalities. You you introduce people yeah. to different personalities, like people that are out there doing other, not just horror movies that are doing all kinds of weird shit. And it's so yeah. interesting. It's always been great. I've we said we said Scream Queens. It's award winning Scream Queens though. You've like won awards. Right? Yeah. So I, mean, I have. I have. He's like, oh, I, I have. Shucks. Now so back when I was it. novel. Back when I was novel. When I was the only one. Now that you mentioned it, I know. I mean, we so we started podcasting really early on with the obscure '80s, and uh, I went through some shit, so the show stopped. And when we came back and decided to do another show, I'm like, it was much the same for us back then. It was like there were like two '80s podcasts, and that was it. And now it's like fucking they're everywhere. Yeah. Now there's 50 of them called the Mixtape Podcast, which is why I have really to understand one. that back then we had to podcast on computers that were made out of wood. He's not lying. Using our internal microphones and everything, when and I, no headphones. My, my first guest on the show was a brontosaurus and Harvey Feierstein. That was all we had. <laughs> That's how long ago it was. Bedrock. Now twist, I want to see twist. a Pixar movie with a dinosaur and Harvey Feierstein. Harvey Feierstein. <laughs> yeah. Make it happen. Oh, oh God. God. Yeah. Um, Roar. So Patrick Roar. Has, has been... You know, we probably should have done this intro in, at the beginning, but that's okay. We'll do it now. Patrick has been – it's so weird. We talk a lot on the show about the fact that 
through podcasting over the years, like I've made friends with people that are in some ways I'm closer to than people I see every day. And that's how Matt is for me. I, I feel that way about Patrick a lot too. Every once in a while, we'll just shoot each other an email or a, a message being like, how you doing? You doing okay? I haven't talked to you in a while. And whenever I get with you guys, it's like instantaneous right back to where we were. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I'm right back at the Golden Corrals, gang. I'm right back <laughs> at the Keep bringing it that's up. The other thing. <laughs> it's not just podcasting. We're all Horror Hound Weekend survivors. You get to yes. the Horror Hound Weekend, and you go to all the events, and you stay for the parties. You have this weird bond, and you know shit about each other that nobody else knows. <laughs> and, and I'll tell you, you have not lived until you've seen Patrick – doing a interpretive dance to I think we're alone now outside of the uh, La Quinta Inn or whatever the fuck it was we were at. La Quinta, which is Spanish for five. For the Quinta. For the Quinta. <laughs> I mean, just, uh, me just trying not to start bashing the Corey Haim bongo concert. I'm like, what the fuck oh is happening? God, that was so brilliant. I found video of that. Like a Everybody year else loved it. I'm like, what the people. fuck is happening? Yeah. Oh, no, I didn't love the concert. Just everything that was going on that night was brilliant. Like, in yeah. a in a in a clusterfuck kind of way. It was when, the same night I went in the lobby and there was like blood and palm fronds everywhere. I'm like, I don't know what the fuck. <laughs> I don't care. Andrew Bernarski, Andrew Bernarski went crazy. Never mind. Oh, oh, yeah, I forgot cares. about that. I forgot about Bernarski going crazy out there. I banned for life. Nobody cares. Hey, <laughs> hey Patrick. Hey, Patrick. Yeah. Um, I, I have a story I'll tell off air if you are ever interested <laughs> in hearing about Andrew Bernarski. Holy shit. We all have <laughs> what did Kevin say before the show. Kevin's like Kevin said no. Matt has a story for everything. <laughs> oh yeah, absolutely yeah. does. But we all have at least one good horror hound story, if not more. Yeah. I've got oh, one, yeah. Kevin's got one, Kevin puking in the hula hooping right now, just thinking about it. Oh, oh god. god. I've got pictures of Kevin hula hooping. The- hula hooping. What's with the hula hooping? Kevin puking in the restaurant <laughs> is one of the best stories. The the restaurant in the front of <laughs> And I remember Brian Wolford uh, from yeah. Drunken Zombie just peeking around the corner with that look on his face like, what the hell was that noise? And it's Kevin, poor Kevin, looking for the restroom, walked to the back of the restaurant only to realize there's no restroom and it was too late. Right. And he just unleashes so looking, right by the Janet, buffet. Was that the IHOP on Cox? No. No. <laughs> I got to tell people this real quick story <laughs> about Patrick coming to visit here in Cincinnati and all he wanted was to see who, which isn't there anymore, but he wanted to see Big Butter Jesus more than anything in the world. Do you remember that? I did see it. I did see it. You got to see that got, one. There's a new one now because that one got struck by lightning and burned down. There's like pictures of it. Big mods. I know. I know. Well, that's the thing is I took video of me and Bradford yes, seeing it. Yes, I remember. Was, now far. there's... We got thousands of hits because apparently the way the sun was hitting it, like there was a beam of light hitting it and like it burned down the next week. That's yes, and it burned down right after you guys were there. It was a sign from God. It was God saying that it was going to burn down. Nobody listened to the warning. Well, you know oh. they they built another one. Only this one we call five dollar foot long Jesus because his hands are doing the five dollar foot long. And there's a giant lightning rod coming out of his head. It is the dumbest thing I've ever seen in my life. Like, oh my god, <laughs> the look of terror on your face is amazing <laughs> right now. But yes, the thing that made him happiest of all is there's a road up the street um, called Cox, and they have an IHOP. And, of course, that is like the running IHOP on Cox. IHOP on Cox. <laughs> I remember how happy that, that made that sto- you. <laughs> the other thing that fascinated me, nobody cares. Nobody cares. There was a store called Miscellaneous Rodriguez, and I was like, I have a what picture do they of that? <laughs> I have a picture of all of us in front of Miscellaneous Rodriguez. I have that. I know, photo. but nobody took me there. Nobody took me. I want like I want to go in there and find out what the hell is so miscellaneous about this Rodriguez. Is it I, just random people named Rodriguez hanging out in the store? What's happening? My my first trip to Cincinnati, though, the best part was 
apparently the same thing that that you experienced was being taken to just random stores in Cincinnati, <laughs> like Jungle Gems. Jungle Gems. Like oh. we made a trip to go to Jungle Gems, yeah. and it was the greatest thing. I I still like, there's two love of them the pictures now. I took there. Yeah. Oh my god! Yeah. I think I have another trip coming up. <laughs> there's two. Uh, I haven't even been to the second one, and I work right by it. It, it, they built another freaking jungle gyms and everybody here lost their shit and was like, have you been yet? I'm like, no, I don't need to go to the damn jungle gyms. There's one right up the street. I don't need to go to the other one. Jeez. I think we had nothing to do here in Cincinnati. I know. Look at Kevin. He's like, I've been. Of course you have. But it's different because it's but in you, a different place. It's, ex- it's probably the exact same building with everything exactly the same, right? Uh, no, I hear it's a little different, like the way it's laid out, but pretty much it's the same damn thing. But, you know, mm. it's it's Cincinnati. What else are we going to do? Cornhole. Hey! <laughs> <laughs> have a three-way and eat some cornhole that's true you eat can do that here now. you don't well, eat cornhole you know, i did it both baby i did it at the same time <laughs> i was like oh, patrick is he's, he's like i'm on it i already did that yeah but we've I got a t-shirt having having got like and i know right before the whole pandemic thing uh, me and Stu had put it out there and got everybody on board everybody was ready to come do the next horror hound and we were all excited and then the freaking pandemic yeah. hit and Nope. Everything got put on hold, and it sucks, you know. But because we miss everybody so much, it's like these these people that we've met through podcasting and at Horror Hounds. These are like our closest friends, and and like honest to God, they really are. I live with Stewie, and I don't talk to him. No, (laughs) never talk to him. Now, now you just smell. You interpret messages from him from the jizz that he leaves on the floor, (laughs) right? But yeah, um, I do recommend everybody going over and checking out Scream Queens. It's endlessly entertaining. It doesn't whether you don't even have to be into horror films. You, you said earlier you're like you don't have to be gay to listen. I, God, I would. Why would you? Like you don't need to be gay to listen. That's just a gay man's perspective. Well, some people on, think that I have guests that come on. They're like, well, it's okay that I'm not gay. I'm like, shut up and get on the microphone. You're like, you will be. <laughs> we <laughs> have ways. You're awesome. <laughs> we now you're ways. a power bottom. Just look at the just just look at it just look into the camera. <laughs> look at me in the camera. My eyes will light up and they'll be Oh my god, what is that? What is this? Oh my god. I know what I said, Patrick. You don't. No, I don't. What you said? I'm hanging up now. I've had enough. My day can't possibly be getting any better. I have to go. I have to eat dinner. But thank you guys. This has been really fun. Uh, yeah, thank you, Patrick. It was awesome having yeah. you here again. I can't wait to see you again. Like we miss you all the no. time. We talk about you all the time. I yeah. tell people come out, come out, come out. Oh, by the way, it's not, you don't have you don't have to wait till March sixth to come hang out with me on Sundays for these for these parties. Like, it's Women in Horror Month. We're this Sunday we're watching um it's an independent horror comedy called They Will Outlive Us All about mutant cockroaches. It's it's very evil dead, very funny uh, and written and star- written and directed by a woman. So it, it's come out. We have a good time. Yeah, every, well, every Sunday at eight. I'll have to start don't checking into That's some Queens of those. With a Z, like Liza Minnelli. Again, Why am I still here? Again, Patrick, we love having you, man. I can't wait to see like like actually see you. I here we go. He said he was gonna get naked. I told what did I tell you? Uh-oh. What did I tell you? I promise. That bright red chest hair is coming out, everybody. I told I told I told I told, I told JM and I'm like, we're, we're, like you didn't read my service contract because we gotta do the nude tonight. So here we go. <laughs> for this Let's one. let him go. Let's let him go. Let's let him get off here. Patrick, thank you for joining us. And uh, we yes. will we will talk to you again soon, sir. Remember, just like these guys, guys you too are a twisted kid. <laughs> Here we are, folks. Here we are.
Pretty 